0: But the main point I'm trying to point out in all of this list of qualifications is nowhere, and I mean nowhere, do I see mental illness being any form of disqualification. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Well, welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast where we believe, or I believe, we believe that everything and everyone in your organization is impacted by your ability to personally develop and grow as a leader. I've kind of hesitated on this particular podcast for a while. In fact, I've held out for a week or two. I've actually deleted my initial recording of this podcast because it's such an emotional topic for me. And what we're going to deal with today is um, a statement that was made about three or four weeks ago by a somewhat popular um, pastor, and this was the statement, people struggling with mental illness should not be in church leadership. In fact, he went on to say that people struggling with mental illness are disqualified from being in church leadership. Now, personally, I've battled with some form of mental illness for as long as I can remember. Anxiety, depression, PTSD, and I've personally had good seasons where it's been, it's been manageable, And I've had bad seasons. Like I've had times I felt like I've escaped it, and other times I've felt like David in the Psalms asking, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is why I became pretty angry, to be honest with you, a few weeks ago when I saw this pastor say what he said. He said that it's reckless and unbiblical to have people with mental illness serving in the ministry. And to be quite honest, what I think was reckless and unbiblical was his statement and his attitude. Like I said, I was angry, but I didn't respond because I wanted to take some time and really walk through the qualifications that were listed by him and often listed by others that people in ministry have to be under, according to 1 Timothy 3, And Titus 1. Now, let's look at letter of the law versus spirit of the law. And if we're going to go straight letter of the law in regards to leadership qualifications, all of us are screwed. Every single one of us. I'm just going to read through some of the qualifications listed and add a few comments. Number one, above reproach. Now, let me just say this. If there's a day or a season or a habit in your life that you hope no one ever finds out about, that means you're not above reproach and you're disqualified. Um, number two, faithful to his wife. Okay, bam, got this one, except the fact that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, if we've ever looked at another woman lustfully, we've committed adultery with her in her heart. Now, you may—listen— All men are guilty right there, at least the ones that'll admit it. And the ones that aren't, oh, they're not above reproach because they're lying. Okay, number three, temperate. So if you've ever lost your temper, you're disqualified according to the letter of the law. Self-control. Okay, if we're going to go by letter of the law and we're going to say that people that aren't self-controlled aren't qualified for leadership, then we're going to have to fire all of the obese pastors in America. That's a lot of people getting fired. I'm just saying, if we're going straight letter of the law here. um, Number five, respectable. So if the people that you disagree with the most do not think you're a respectable person, you're unqualified. Number six, hospitable. If you're not hosting people in your home on a consistent basis, you're unqualified. Number seven, able to teach, which by the way, can we just say this? It's so subjective because some say you are, some say you're not. Um, number eight, not given to drunkenness. got uh, yeah, A couple of thoughts on this one. It's pretty easy to determine, right? And I know a lot of pastors, church leaders that say I've never been drunk, which is awesome, but do you say it with a thankful heart or a prideful heart? That's uh, mm. Number nine, not violent, but gentle. So do you raise your voice at your spouse or your kids? Um, number 10, not quarrelsome. Now this right here disqualifies so many church leaders because too many people are looking for a fight rather than building other people's faith. And um, that's just jacked up. Number 11, not a lover of money. Now, a lot of people might say, Hey, I'm not a lover of money. That's awesome. But how often do you pick up the check when you take people out for a meal? Or do you sit there and expect them, them to pick up the check? Um, number 12, must manage his own family well. So if your kids are crazy, disqualified. Now, I, I've just read through like 12 characteristics. And all of these are, are incredible ideas. They're from the scripture. They're from God. And they're guidelines. But who really knows the exact meaning of each one but the main point I'm trying to point out in all of this list of qualifications is nowhere and I mean nowhere do I see mental illness being any form of disqualification if you're if you're a pastor or a church leader that wrestles with mental illness you're not unqualified this guy's statement angered me because it shames people into silence. By the way, something Jesus never did, and if you're called into ministry, then Jesus knew everything about you before he called you, including what you would and currently are struggling with, and he called you anyway. So, So what do you do when you have some sort of mental illness, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's just worry taking over, what do you do? I heard an incredible message this weekend by Holly Brown. She spoke at Second Chance, and she gave four very practical steps that I'm completely ripping off from her and I'm adding in my fifth because I know this message helped me as a church leader as I still battle with anxiety sometimes. um, And I think it's going to help a lot of other people. Number one, get professional help. Get professional help. One of the things that I think pastors and church leaders have been so ashamed of for too long is actually admitting that we need help. And we've been trying to pray things away that God has put professionals in our life to help us deal with. Now listen, prayer works. I'm not anti-prayer. I'm not anti-miracle. But at the end of the day, let me ask that qu- this question. How's that working for you? Seriously, how's that working for you? I believe... I believe we need great therapists and there are some great therapists out there who can help us process through those emotions. I think medical doctors are essential because they can diagnose a problem. Sometimes medication is needed. And by the way, God can heal supernaturally and he can heal through medication. Either way is healing. Healing can come through all sorts of avenues. If we're wrestling with any form of mental illness it's probably not going to be an overnight fix but if we're willing to get professional help that is a huge step in the right direction number two marinate in worship marinate in worship now this is something i gotta be really honest here if i would have heard about a year or so ago I might have been tempted to roll my eyes. But over the past six months especially, one of the things that I've caught myself doing is listening to a worship song over and over and over again. And when I get caught up in who God is, I can't get caught up in everything that's wrong in my life or everything that I perceive as wrong. Holly said, when anxiety happens... I am not trusting the one who is in control. And that was such a profound statement for me because worship is the way, honestly, that we can really dive in and get to know God's character again. And so for me, there's been three or four songs that I've had on playlist over and over and over again when I'm running, um, when I'm stretching in the mornings or whatever, and it absolutely takes my mind and focuses it not on my problems but on the lord it's a it and you know what it might just last for five or ten minutes but it's so 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 powerful to just marinate and worship um number number three find one friend she find one friend here's the deal and holly said this It's so true we will never beat anxiety and isolation, ever. The, the, we will never reason ourselves out of a panic attack. Anytime I've ever had a panic attack, I, it, we, can, we tend to spiral downward and out of control. And so one of the things we've got to do is find one friend who we can be completely honest and transparent with. You don't have to find a dozen. You don't have to find 20, just one. Now, I know that's dangerous, and I know that's risky. I know there are leaders listening to this right now going, I don't have a friend I can trust because you've trusted people before, and you've been burned. I understand what that's like. But I recently had a really good friend tell me, Harry, in life, you've been helped way more than you've been hurt. And at first, I didn't really agree with that. I kind of pushed back in my mind. I didn't push back out loud. But when I thought about it, he was 100% correct. It's just that we focus way more on our hurt than we do our help. So it's, and you know what? You might find somebody, you open up, they betray you. It, it's worth finding that one friend, asking God to send you that one friend you can open up to because I'm telling you, it's so true. We will not beat this alone. Number four, fight back. And when I say fight back, I'm not saying go pick a fight with people that um, you disagree with. Fight back by speaking God's truth out loud. One of the things that I'm really good at as a church leader, I'm sure you're here, is I am incredible at believing God's truth for other people. I just have a difficult time believing it for myself. Like that unconditional love, I don't have a problem believing that God unconditionally loves other people. But unconditionally loves me, eh, I got an issue with that sometimes. Just just believing it for myself. However, once we speak truth out loud, literally we say things out loud, it, it has a unbelievable impact. And here's why. We cannot speak faith and our mind be dominated by fear at the same time. Let me say that again. That's a holly quote. We cannot speak faith and our minds be dominated by fear at the same time. So I have to say out loud, I am more than a conqueror. I have been called. God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable that he will complete what he began in Christ Jesus, that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I've got to say things out loud for myself so I can actually believe them for other people too. And this is um, number five, and this is the one I added. Understand that you're not alone. Understand that you're not alone. Church leaders have always battled with anxiety. In fact, let's just get real here. Most church leaders did not battle with anxiety until they became a leader in the church. So, so understand, if you're open and honest about this struggle, that you are not the only person wrestling with it. And some house church pastor on Instagram doesn't get the freaking right to determine whether or not you're qualified or not. You're called You're qualified, you're gifted, you're anointed. The anxiety is not evidence that God is not with you. It's just, for me, It served as a reminder that I need God's grace and his mercy more than I've ever needed it before. So if you're struggling with anxiety, once again, get professional help, marinate in worship, find one friend, fight back, and understand you're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We'll see you again real soon. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com.